Chevy in the bay going crazy. Put peace on the hood, Mercedes. Young boys letting off 80. Lean next to a DR like Haiti. This ain't no corner, no Bailey. No internet clown gon' play me. Money ain't never gon' make me. I can win with a couple bucks like Brady. If she ain't baby, you cannot shame me. When they gon' pay me to shut my mouth. Ain't gotta okay me, then they gon' save me. I'm finna stay free. What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. Hope all is well with you guys. Um, as you can see, I'm joined by one of my favorite people of all time. Not every time do I get to bring a friend on the podcast, but when I do, boy, do I look forward to it. Um, this is a real friend. You know, sometimes people say we're friends just to say we're friends, but no, no, no. Like, I just want to tell a quick story. Next month, Perisim Church will be celebrating three years um, as a church. And before we launched, you know, our good friend, Pastor Christina, and her husband, Paul, planted Overflow City Church. And we were scrambling here in Minneapolis trying to figure out what to do, how to do it, what we need to make it happen, all of that good stuff. And this is how good of a friend Pastor Christina is and Paul. They invited us to Overflow, set out a whole Saturday. They brought their whole team, made sure their teams cleared out their schedule, and they spent the whole day pouring into me and my team. Um, they shared from their experiences. They shared from the things that they've learned. They shared from the mistakes that they made. They shared from the uh, last year that they had. Not only did they share, but they left room for us to ask questions and they shared more of their wisdom and more from their experiences. Um, all the resources that they used, they gave it to us. The websites that they used, the systems that they used, um, the word, something as small as like, where do you order signage, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> something as small as signage, like whatever they had was ours. And that's just a small pick. I can go on and on sharing story after sh story of how Christina has loved on me. Christina has loved on our church community. Um, she's for those who don't know, she's Perizim's auntie. Uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you remember we ain't forget oh my god uh, that was forgotten okay <laughs> listen not only did they pour into us but our, our our day that we launched uh they came out good chunk of her team came out and they spoke into us they prayed for us um i don't even know if i remember if, if i've ever told you this but yordi actually one day sent me a voice note of you guys praying for us. I don't even know if I told you that, but like yeah. even in private, she didn't say, Hey, we prayed for you today, but somebody on their team sent me a text saying, Hey, look, here's a video of us praying for Paris church and um, came out the day we launched, prayed for us. You were the first person to share at our very first rally as a church. And uh, man, I have learned so much from you. You've been a confidant. Um, you have been an example. You have been a good friend, someone I can laugh with, enjoy good food with, somebody I can cry with, um, literally cry with. <laughs> you know, we say that sometimes. But we we've shared some tears together, um, and ugly uh, tears, loving tears. We've roasted people together. We've been bullies together. We've yep. I mean, we've done it all, and so. <laughs> That's right. This is yeah. this is. I'm looking forward to this, and so thank you. We got none other than Pastor Christina with us from Overflow City Church. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, friend. Welcome. Hey, man. Thank you so much. That was quite the introduction, but um, <laughs> but it's such an honor to be here. I've always said this to you in private. I'm going to say it in public. You are just one of those real ones, you know, and um, it's an honor to do life with you. It's an honor to be a friend to you uh, and to have you as a friend and just been so blessed by your life, your obedience, your 
um, integrity, your commitment to people, to the relationships you have. Um, there's so much to say about you. And so I'm really just blessed and honored to be able to call you a friend. So thanks yeah. for bringing me to the space. Yeah, likewise. No, for sure. For sure. I appreciate you, fam. Um, for today's podcast episode, um, you know, I'm really excited about it, you know, because we're dealing with a, with a subject matter that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, there are so many stats and there are so many studies that show that pastors and leaders are stepping down and they'll continue mm. to do so. There's a lot that we went through as a nation the last couple of years between COVID, political unrest, racial yeah. unrest. Um, there's just so much that, I mean, life has changed a whole lot and we're losing our leaders because of it. In yeah. addition to the things that we went through collectively, we've got our own individual battles that we're battling, that we're That's facing, right. that we've got to wrestle through. And so I kind of, we, we want to talk today about longevity, how to stay in the race, how to stay committed to your God-given purpose and your God-given calling. And so before we jump into it, for those who don't have context to who you are, for those who don't know um, what you do, uh, give us a little testimony, give us a little story, give us a background, give us a picture of who you are, how you got into ministry, how long you've been doing it for, because you've already practiced longevity in, in more than one ways. And so for those who don't know, give us a, a quick context to who you are and where you come from. Yeah. You know, I hate those questions because it always feels like, uh, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk about myself, but okay. So let's um, talk about So it. I think for, yeah, for those who just don't know or don't have any context. So um, I was um, 13 years old when I first received a prophetic word in my life um, for, for ministry. Uh, I really thought I was going to grow up to be a great lawyer. And that was my passion. That was my life. The Lord had other plans. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember being 13 years old and going to a conference. And at the end of the conference, there was a prayer being done for all the youth and the kids in the room to get prayed for. And uh, my mother being my mother was very adamant on making sure that I got up and went and got prayed for. <laughs> and against my will, I got up <laughs> and went to get prayed for. And when I did, that was the very first time in my life where I actually experienced the power of God. And it was also the very first time in my life where I received a prophetic word. That was the very first time I ever even uh, got exposed to what prophecy was. Um, and I'll never forget it. Um, I was 13 years old. And that day, the Lord spoke very, very clearly and um, just said that, hey, like I've, I've set you apart and I've called you uh, to build my kingdom and, and I'm calling you into ministry. And this is what you're going to do. And it was very detailed prophetic word that I had received in my life down to even the detail that one day the Lord would um, call me to help plant a church that was going to be outside of the country that I currently uh, live. In. I thought to myself, well, like I'm not leaving Canada, so I don't know what the Lord is talking about. <laughs> First of all, I don't want to be in ministry. I'm trying to be a lawyer. Second of all, I don't want to leave Canada. So I don't know what is going on, but yeah. you got the wrong one, God. This is not the right person. And um, there were so many details spoken over my life. And as a 13 year old, I think when you don't have the space to properly process what prophetic words mean and what God is talking about, it's very easy to take that and to kind of grow resentful towards God, thinking mm. that God has kind of taken away your freedom to choose the life you want to live. Wow. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I got that prophetic word. I went home that day and I decided from that night mm. uh, that I was going to just stay as far away from church as possible. <laughs> like I was not going to go back to church. I was yeah. not going to go into ministry. I definitely was not going to leave Canada. And like, yeah. there was just a lot of things I felt like the Lord was saying that just were not in alignment with what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> 
And it was kind of yeah. like this attitude of like, how dare you, God? Like, how dare you take away my freedom to choose the life I want to live? <laughs> and I think just that with not having the, the right um, leaders to pour into me and to help help me understand what prophetic words really mean. Um, sadly, that just led down to years of just steady but slow rebellion towards God. Yeah. And it stemmed from this fear of not wanting to live a life that I didn't choose for myself. This is not what I wanted to do. And so I really started drawing further and further away from the Lord. Um, it's interesting. My rebellion was never like, oh, I'm going to go out. I'm going to party my, my, my butt off and I'm just going to like get high and do whatever. Like it wasn't things like that, but it yeah. was a heart rebellion of uh, I'm just not going to acknowledge God in my life. I'm not going to align myself to the Lord. I'm not going to try to build a prayer life because I don't know what other prophetic crazy words are going to come. <laughs> like I'm not trying to set myself up for that. And so I started drawing further and further away from the Lord. And so um, years went on. A lot of things happened in between 13 and about 21. And finally at 21, just kind of having hit um, a very low point spiritually and emotionally, I realized that the life I was trying to lead and live and build for myself was just not the life that was bringing me the happiness I thought it was going to. And after having gone through that at 21, I had this just moment of complete brokenness before the Lord and just realizing, God, I've tried it my way. I've tried to pursue the life I thought I wanted. And I thought that that life of happiness was going to be fulfilled away from you. But clearly, it's not. And so I had this moment of repentance before the Lord and just like, God, I, I'm realizing now why, why you are a necessity and not an option. And if you're willing to give me the chance, God, I want to come back and make it right. Mm -hmm. And had this moment of just repentance. And from that, decided to get back in church, decided to just be around godly community, decided to start serving, decided to posture myself to just learning and growing, kind of making up for lost time. Yeah. Um, and in that space of rebuilding my relationship with God again and getting back on the right track, my desires and my passions started to change. Wow. And the life that I thought I wanted to live mm. was no longer now the life I really had a craving for. Wow. And my desires started to change. My passion started to change. I started becoming really interested in ministry. Uh, my passion to really see uh people just discover who they are in God and come to encounter the presence of God really became a priority. Yeah. And so I started serving and, and through the opportunities of serving, I, I surrounded myself with specific people who really became intentional in pouring into my life yeah. and discipling me and helping me grow and helping me understand what it meant to live a life for God, but also serve God. Yeah. And, um, eventually just desires changed. And, um, I, I started serving a lot of different capacities. Uh, the most impactful, though, for me was when I started serving under a youth leadership team. Mm -hmm. And um, the youth pastor there for that youth leadership team was really invested into my life um, and really, really poured into me in ways that I think till this day, I can't say are comparable to the way other people have poured in and just was very invested in seeing me grow. Just someone who saw my potential and who saw the hand of God on my life and was very committed in seeing what God had spoken come to pass. And so um, the investment of that person and, and some other individuals combined together really helped me get back on the right track. Uh, and then in 2016, um, I got married to this really handsome guy, um, just just a stud. Um, oh, yeah. I got married to this really, really handsome guy named Super Paul. funny. Super funny, but <laughs> undercover funny. Undercover. Like, 
you just have to like gain access to that level of like i've like, got receipts in my phone <laughs> a lot of people don't see it but when they do they're like man like we gotta we gotta hold on to this but yeah, yeah. yeah so i got married to an undercover comedian um <laughs> uh but a really awesome awesome man named paul and uh when we got married in 2016 we knew the lord had called us to do specific things by that point yeah. and one of the things that we both knew there was a clear call in our lives for was to to plant a church yeah. and so um we got married in 2016 you were at the wedding you saw um <laughs> and two weeks after we got back from our honeymoon we just started working hard towards just getting ready for this church plant and so we yeah. spent about two years building praying connecting with people who we knew we needed to have in our corner uh people who we knew we needed to be mentored by and poured into by and we spent two years preparing for that and in 2018 we launched overflow city church um which has been the hardest thing but also the most fulfilling thing um to do and so so we've been pastoring overflow city church we're co-pastors and so we've been pastoring since 2018 we're now right around the corner from celebrating our fourth anniversary as a church and oh. so it's been awesome to just see the lord um, do awesome things but yeah so so right now i'm just co-pastoring alongside of paul um and we just lead an awesome church filled with some incredible individuals that we have the privilege of leading but also doing life with yeah. um and just continuing to labor forward in this vision that he has called us for this church yeah, so, yeah. No, that's beautiful that's awesome yeah, I, I, I've yet to find the person who, when God calls them to ministry, they're like, sign me up. Like, I want that job. Man, I'm telling you, it's like he specifically looks for the people who don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, just, you know, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can relate to that. <laughs> Here's a leadership tip, too. Like, if somebody's eager to get into ministry, be cautious. They might yes. not know what they're getting in themselves exactly. into. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, really. Yeah. I see so many people excited nowadays and I'm like, oh, let's have a conversation because <laughs> it's not as glossy as you think it is, you know, not in a way to scare people, but I just yeah. think people need to have a, a real understanding of what serving the Lord really means and what it comes yeah. with. It, so. It's weighty. It's weighty. It's very weighty. Yeah. Very weighty. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's real. So I want to, I want to do something real quick. Did you, I want to ask you this. Did you ever, I know you had a process before really fully embracing what God has called you to, but uh, once you accepted the call, once you had the leaders and the pastor that would pour into you, that would call the very thing that was in you out and kind of help shepherd you and, um, you know, lead you into the path that God was ultimately leading you in. Was there any sense of excitement that you felt like once you embraced it, um, what, was there any novelty to uh, pastoring or leading or teaching or leading worship or Bible studies or whatever it was? Like, did you ever have a phase or season where it was all good and it was all exciting and it was all amazing? Yeah, it was at the beginning. And I felt I felt like that was God's trick on me, yes. like just get me hooked. In. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. like, no, I think I think there is such like a. a like a pureness and a lightness in the beginning, you know, yes. where it's like, everything is easy. Everything is light. Everything yeah. is kind of breezy. You're just like frolicking in the sun with God all day. And it's just great, <laughs> you know? And it's not that that's not real. It is real. And, right. and I think, um, I did have that, but I was also, you know, when I started out serving and embracing what God had called me to do, I also didn't, 
out the gate, start out with pastoring. So yeah. it was a, a slow prog progression to that role. Um, and, and that slow progression before that role, I think it did have a lot of those moments where it was just like easy and fun. And yeah. because I didn't have to lead or plan or <laughs> vision cast or <laughs> discipline or disciple. It was just, I was following somebody else's vision. It was great. You know, yeah. like yeah. it was awesome. Um, and I also think that in those early stages, you know, God was still developing and deepening my heart for him in many ways. So I think there was a lot of things that I was being protected from that would maybe interfere with that joy or excitement, you know, <laughs> but I think once roots started to deepen and yeah. once reality kind of started to settle, and I think more than anything, once also like just faith got a little stronger, yeah. um, I realized, okay, not every day is going to be exciting and happy and jolly. There's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some unpleasant days. And, but by that point, you have the strength to be able to sort of navigate through that and, and respond to that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's where I wanted to go because I don't know about you, but for me, I, like you felt tricked. <laughs> I was like, word. yeah, <laughs> bamboozled by Jesus. Yep. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And um, it was, everything was going well. I mean, you know, conferences are great, Sunday services, Friday nights, you know, people are coming to know Jesus. And to your point, you're serving somebody else's vision. So you don't really know all the battles that they're facing and, and fighting and all of that good stuff. But do you remember, because we're talking about longevity, the first time you felt like, what is this? What, what are we? 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I can tell you the first time, the second time, I can tell you the third time, I can tell you about the fourth time, I can tell you about the one even just like a couple of weeks ago, I can tell you about all of them, like, they're all here. Um, yeah, I definitely remember the first time where I just kind of was like, whoa, yeah. like, what did I sign up for? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? And just the moment of like, just checking my surroundings, like, is this, is this the life that, is this what I said? too like I feel like I hear you right fine print. I felt like those fine print in the contract that I just didn't read you know like oh my god what did you be up to you know um but and I I actually do remember the very first time when I had that moment and it was uh, a few years ago and mm. um it came actually with with quite a bit of disappointment when it happened and um obviously, you know, it always, it always revolves around people. Ministry is people like you're serving people, you're dealing with people, you're, you're interacting with people constantly. So obviously the majority of the disappointments of the frustrations of the letdowns that you feel is going to be from the people that either you serve or aren't somehow relationally connected to. And so right. when I did experience that for the first time, um, I remember feeling a lot of disappointment and almost having like a reality check, like, whoa, is this what it's going to look like? And yeah. like, am I going to be able to handle this over and over again? Like, I don't, you know, I might have grace the first time, but I don't think I'm going to stick around the second time yeah, for this. Yeah. Like, and you start questioning that, like, God, how many times is this going to happen? Like, cause yeah. I thought it was supposed to be good. Yeah. Um, but then you realize actually ministry is quite the opposite of that. It, it's, it's not just about a good time. Like mm. you're talking about building the kingdom of God. And with that, there's going to be a lot of opposition. There's going to be yeah. a lot of things that rise up to create setbacks, to create hindrances, to steal your joy, to distract you from what God has called you to do. And yeah. so naturally when you're stepping into that type of territory, it's going to come with a lot. Yeah. And I think the first mm. experience taught me how necessary it is to be equipped for mm. the place that God has called you to step so into, good. you know? Yeah. And I realized like, man, I'm stepping into a battlefield mm. with like 
shorts and a t-shirt and an ice cream cone. I'm not going to survive this. I'll be the first one to go. Like, you know, and it's like, (laughs) imagine what it looks like to be like in a war and everybody's suited up and geared and you're showing up to a war with your short sunglasses (laughs) and like a a popsicle in your hands. It it just looks so dumb. It's like, who put this guy in here? Like this, you're the first one to go, like the easiest target, you know? And I just feel like sometimes it's the same thing when we're called to step into what God has for us, especially ministry, right? Like, we don't understand the necessity to be equipped, yeah. like the the importance, how urgent it is to be equipped for what you're getting called into, because you're stepping quite literally into a spiritual battlefield. Yeah. And there are things coming at you in different directions at all times that for me, that first experience was a reality check. Like it's not always going to be frolicking through the sun. You know, there's, there's going to be some hard seasons. And if you're not dressed and equipped appropriately for it you're not going to so, last yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and i think that's what that first experience taught me and since that first experience i think things are have gotten better better as to how i've been responding to those unpleasant moments you know yeah. um but boy do i remember them yeah <laughs> <laughs> remember them <laughs> no no i feel that like i man so much to unpack there I, one of the ways we stay in this thing long long-term or for the long haul is like you said, being equipped mm-hmm. and, you know, things I've learned the last couple of years, like you need a Sabbath. You, if you need to get on sabbatical, go on sabbatical. Pastors need pastors. Leaders need leaders. Uh, you need community. You need people that you could just be you with. Like, yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Cause you're so, as you're leading, whether it's an organization or a ministry or a church or a business or whatever it is, um, the people you lead can't be the people that you, you just let loose with or allow yourself exactly. to be comfortable with. And if you don't surround yourself with people that don't know you or can't see that side of you that is beyond your position, you will lose your mind, literally lose yeah. your mind. And so, absolutely, yeah, that's, that's so good. I, I wanted to ask you, um, what, what, what are the reasons do you think from your assessment, from your experiences, from what you see, from your relationships and your proximity um, that is causing leaders or pastors or really like longevity is needed for every field. I believe like everything we do, like no matter if you're living a life that is called to greatness, if you Mm -hmm. are building the kingdom in some shape or form, um, you, you'll have to have an element of you that's relentless. That is, you know what I'm saying? Like committed and, 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 you know, flat footed and all that good stuff. And so, but I, I just wanted to ask you from your experiences, from what you've seen, from what you um, have observed, why do you think people are leaving the call of God on their lives, whether whatever field that they find themselves in? That's a really good question. And I feel like there's a few ways to answer that or a few reasons for that. Yeah. Um, I think one, it really boils down to a lack of strong foundation. Mm. I think, um, if I, the, the number one thing I would say is just not having a solid foundation of faith. Um, and you know, the thing about ministry, and I'm going to specifically talk about just like leadership and pastoral, cause that's what I can most relate to. Um, people don't often realize how much it exposes where your faith really is. You know, it exposes the foundation. It exposes what your house is built on. It exposes where you're at. And Ministry has a way of serving that, fulfilling that call of God on your life really has a way of exposing how strong or how fragile your foundation is. Yes. And so 
I think a lot of times people jump into ministry seeing the glossy parts of it, you know, like yeah. the big churches, the great teams, all the salvations, all this and the fame and the platform. And they see the wrong and the really irrelevant parts of ministry right. and feel like, okay, I can attain that. I can do that. But you don't see the battles. You don't see yeah. the temptation. You don't see the attacks. You don't see the disappointments. You don't see right. the betrayals that happen behind closed doors. You don't see all that other stuff. So you are not you haven't built a strong enough foundation to be able to be sustained through those dark moments that are, aren't often posted about on Instagram or talked about or glorified. Right. Mm-hmm. And so people jump into ministry, not having been prepared for that. And when those seasons do come, uh-huh. I think it very quickly reveals the lack of foundation that you have or the fragile foundation that you have of faith. Yeah. And you just don't have something to be sustained by like the winds come, the rain comes, the storm blows, all that stuff happens. And, your foundation is just not strong, you know? And I don't think people realize too how I've seen a lot of folks um, who on the outside could be very much inspirational and great. And then you get closer and you realize their foundation is not actually built on Christ. It's built on their gifts, on their capacity, on their ability, on their fame, on their platforms. And they don't realize that those are houses made of sands. They're not houses made of a rock. And like when the disappointments start coming, when the unmet expectations, when the frustrations, when that marriage starts falling apart, when the betrayal happens, you realize that all the things that you've built your foundation on, would it be your gift, your talent, your your reputation, your abilities are not going to be able to sustain you through that. And so I think the main reason, one of the main reasons why a lot of folks just don't make it longevity is lacking in ministry today is because the foundation is just too fragile. It can't handle it. Um, It's not built on the solid rock um, and it's quickly revealed, right? The second thing I think why people are not experiencing longevity in ministry is because they're not being intentional about who they surround themselves with, you know? Um, I think- Yeah, yeah, we gotta talk about that. (laughs) Company matters. Like your company really matters. And I, I say this to our church, I say this to the girls I disciple all the time. I say this to everybody. Your company matters more than you think it does. And I think a lot of times people who are in ministry and in places of leadership are not mindful of who they're surrounded by. Like, I'll tell you this, man. When we started pastoring, as soon as we got into this role and into this responsibility, I was like, I need, we need to find, uh, I need to connect with other pastors. I need to figure out the people that have gone ahead of me in this role, how they've survived this long. And I need to literally connect and stay connected to those individuals because I need to make it last. I need to last in this thing. And in order for me to do that, I need to lean onto and build relationships with people who've gone the distance who can help me make it through. And I think company really matters and we're not intentional about who we surround ourselves with. And sometimes the company that we do surround ourselves may be great in hyping us up and celebrating us in, oh, you best pastor I've ever heard, best speaker, come on, that's my pastor, all that. People will hype you up. You're never going to run out of people who hype you up, by the way. People are going to always hype you up. You always have that. But what about the people who are praying for you behind closed doors? Mm, What about the people who you have built an, uh, uh, an emotionally safe environment in to be able to confess your sins to? You know, so good. 
What about the people who you're able to confess your struggles to and who are able to bring you back into alignment? You know, what about the people who you are able to share uh, the doubts that you go through sometimes, the insecurities that you feel, the attacks that you're experiencing, the people that your intercessors, who are those people? You know, and it's like we don't spend time cultivating that type of an environment of people around us that when hard times come and they do come, we've seen it in the past couple of years, we don't we don't have a solid group of people to fall back on and to be able to carry us through. So I think that's another reason why there is no longevity in ministry. Um, And these are just some of the top ones that I can think of. I think another one that is a a big part of why longevity is lacking in ministry, simply put, we lack discipline. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. 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 It's just like no discipline. Like we don't, we're not disciplined enough to endure, to commit to the process, to stay the course, Uh, We're very much emotionally led people and we've given our emotions way too much power than they need to have to the point where our emotions are dictating what we do, where we go, who we're around, how long we're obedient, how long we're not. And we've given so much power to our emotions that we don't know how to discipline ourselves, how to bring our flesh under submission, how to really submit ourselves to the things of God and to endure the process. I don't like how this feels. I'm not, I'm not really enjoying this, but I'm going to commit to the season because it's where God has me. That type of discipline is really lacking in many ways today. And so, so yeah, I think just, and I'm sure you have something to add on to, but I feel like discipline, company, lack of solid foundation. These are just some of the many reasons why I feel like longevity really is lacking in today's culture of ministry. You know, I I love it. I want to say something about foundation. I I really, I want to say something about everything you said. (laughs) But, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up, when I told somebody I wanted to go into ministry, people were like, you're wasting your life. Like, there's no money there. There's no opportunity there. Why don't you find a career path that pays a whole bunch of money and serve the church with your finances? There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. The church does a lot of great things from the contributions of those who are making a good amount of money. No knock to that. I just didn't feel like that's what God was calling me to. Right. In the last 10, 15 years, the culture has shifted. I don't know if it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, celebrity pastors, whatever it is, everybody wants to be in ministry. And when you peel back the layer and when you ask questions like, why are you called? Do somebody, you know, affirm this in you? Does somebody call this out in you? you? Do you even have a community that can affirm this and walk with you in this calling, yeah. give you opportunities to grow. Like, is there accountability with your calling? And yes, there needs, a, we need accountability with our calling, right? There's just so much, it's a beast. Your calling is a beast, right? And yeah. um, one of the things I have just picked up on over the years is, you know, even the way we view ministry is shaped by Instagram. Yep. The way we view ministry is shaped by celebrity pastors. Yep. And we really, I mean, I've had conversations with young guys who have walked away from serving their church because it doesn't look like somebody else's transformation church, church, right? Or, you know, and we've, we've even misinterpreted what true success is, like what faithfulness looks like. And I feel like sometimes what takes us out or what hinders us from longevity is even having a warped view of what ministry is Talk altogether, yeah, right? That's right. Like that's if, right. You don't, if you don't even know what you're signing up for, not only yeah. are you going to show up to the battle with some shorts and a t-shirt and a, and a popsicle on your stick, 
but you're going to be taken aback by what you're invited into. And you're going to be like, why are we doing this? Who is this? What is that? What are we? Right. Right? And so I kind of wanted to ask you, like, as far as, you know, having a a, a stable foundation, um, what would you recommend someone who um, wants to go into ministry or somebody that's already in it who finds themselves questioning everything not necessarily because they're not called, not necessarily because this isn't where God is leading them, but because they're not necessarily ready for it or haven't built um, the foundation that they need to um, really wrestle through a lot of the things that are thrown at them. Because at the end of the day, as, as, as a minister of the gospel, somebody that's serving, you're always going to have a target on your back. Absolutely. And you're going to need, to your point, the tools necessary to overcome a lot of those battles that come your way. But yeah, what would you say to someone like that? Yeah, to like so, what would be needed for them, right? They're not in yeah. ministry, but they're they're wanting to go in ministry. But how do we properly equip them for what's ahead, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I would say number one, um, get yourself under submission of leadership. Like be, be look like understand how that works. I think there's a lot of people who, <coughs> excuse me, who want to um who feel like they're called to ministry, who feel like they're called to leadership, but have never actually submitted themselves under leadership to begin with. Uh, so I think it's important to understand, like what, if I'm going to lead somebody, I've got to learn to be led by somebody. I have to yes. see what that means and what that looks like. So I got to commit to a local church that's obviously in alignment with scripture that has good biblical views and values and all that stuff. Right. But I got to commit myself to the local church, commit myself under pastors that I can be led by, that I can be um, equipped by, that I can be poured into by, and that I can also submit myself under just like, like, like basic one-on-one training. Like you want to lead, learn to be led first. Right. So that's number one, but more than that, number two, I would also just say, Hey, the time for ministry and the time to do will come. That's mm-hmm. that's inevitable, right? Like the time to give and to pour out and to serve and to be at the forefront and to lead and to do all that, it will come. Yeah. But this season that you have now to be in secret with the Lord, this yeah. season that you have right now to yeah. deepen and strengthen your intimacy with him, yeah. the season that you have now to like learn how to identify the sound of his voice yeah. and where he's calling you to be and who he's calling you to lead. It's so vital that you really strengthen that in this season now that you have before the demands and the needs and the responsibilities of ministry really come on to you. Yeah. And like learning to recognize the voice of the shepherd in the midst of all of this is just so important. And I can't tell you, Ebenezer, how many times I've been in circles and in spaces where there are people who are responsible for leading masses, but haven't still figured out how to identify the voice of the one who's supposed to lead them, you know? And it's like, man, deepen your intimacy, like deepen your bond with the Lord, deepen and strengthen what you have with him in secret, because it's going to be vital for how he uses that in public, you know? And so that's like, that's something that I would like put like asterisks on bold, highlight, underline, emphasize, like, please take time to deepen that with the Lord. Um, The thrust of ministry is not the place to deepen intimacy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like in that moment, you're being led by having to make decisions, by having to meet needs, by having to meet responsibility. It like take time now and develop that, that discernment and that intimacy with him. So that would be that one thing I'll tell people in that. Um, and then the other thing I would also say is um, just along of how do we prepare and how do we equip is like understand fully what it requires to lay your life down for service 
of, of the Lord. Like, I, like yeah. have an understanding and please don't pull that understanding from Instagram. Don't pull that understanding from like the most famous celebrity, big pastors that, you know, please don't like sit down and biblically become aware of what it entails to serve the Lord, of what it means to lay your life down for his service, of what it means to give yourself entirely so that he could use your life to reach many through you and, and reveal himself to others through, right? So have a have a clear understanding of what that means and what that looks like. For me, that meant not only just digging into the word and looking at the lives of those who've gone before us in scripture and paved the way, but for me, that also, in addition to that, meant sitting down and talking to people who've gone a distance in that race, yes. who've gone ahead of me, who've, who've um, lived a life of obedience and have like bore fruit of that obedience that is yeah. visible and, and tangible. And you could see it, like even the spirit, like bears a witness of what's been done in and through their lives. Sit down with those people and have a conversation about what does it really mean to serve God? What does it mean, mean to be in ministry? What, what are the responsibilities? What does the sacrifices look like? What does, what, how have you endured the pain? What, how have you responded to the disappointment? How have you yeah, submitted right. yourself to a life of obedience when temptation was really easy? You know, like yeah. what, like sit down and have a conversation with people who've gone the distance yeah. so that you can learn from their experiences and their stories as well. You know, so these are just some of the things that just off the top of my head, how you could really kind of equip people for ministry is that that would just be what would come off the top of my head. No, I love it. You're, you're, you're sharing a lot of gems. I hope people are catching what you're given right now because it's, it's a lot of good stuff. And I, and I think that it's important to note because to your point, I think you and I have been in a lot of rooms where our heroes have been in there and we've had conversations with people that we didn't think we'll ever have conversations with. And one of the things I've picked up on time and time again, is the ones that have made it. I'll yeah. just, there's this one guy I'm thinking about in particular. He's one of my heroes in the faith. And by God's grace, I've just had an opportunity to connect with him on multiple occasions and we build and talk. This man is, he has influence. Like he's more influential than his pastor. He's known by the masses, but he's at church every Sunday. He goes to Bible study. Every, if this guy has time to go to Bible study, I don't know, man. We got time to go to Bible study because his we, schedule is more, I believe, more packed out than mine. He's someone that is in high demand. More people want to hear from him than they ever want to hear from me. Um, he, he just, but in community, he loves his neighbors. Hmm. He knows his community, right? Like yeah. he, he, he has he has picked a smaller church on purpose so that he can love his community well. That's good. Goes to Bible study, serves in his Bible study, goes to church every Sunday, makes appointments with his pastor, meets with his pastor regularly. So good. And he he has grounded himself in the local church. Yeah. And I was like, this is why God uses you the way he does. Now, granted, not everybody that's used in that capacity does those things. And yeah. Yeah, this, this speaks to longevity, right? Like, because yeah. if you're not doing that, you're going to burn out really quick. But exactly. I, it, there's something special about what you're saying. Like, we, we need to be surrounded by individuals that will hold us accountable. We need to be led, right? If, if you don't know how to lead yourself, you will never yeah, know how to lead others, right? Exactly. I, I heard a pastor once say, Jesus never called leaders. Jesus called followers. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like he said, come and follow. And, right. and that, that was the, that was the commission that God had given his disciples. Right. And um, 
there's just, I just want to get into this because it's a hot topic. And I think mm-hmm. this needs to be addressed if we want firm yeah. foundation. That's right. But I just want to ask you, like, why do you think we have a hard time being committed to our local church, submitting to <laughs> leadership, uh, <laughs> uh, doing things we don't want to do? Like, that's another thing. Like, we think that um, I have to do only what I feel like I want to do. Come on. That's the but, thorn on my side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> as leaders, we're constantly doing things we don't want to do, right? right? Like, and if we ever stop doing the things we don't want to do, then our church is in shambles. Our that's organization, right. our communities isn't, and that speaks to again what you're talking about as it pertains to discipline, Absolutely. being led by your conviction and not by your feelings. But I did want to like tackle this because this plays really well in the topic of longevity. But what do you think the issue is? Like, what, like from your observation, what from what you've seen, why? We have a hard time submitting to our leadership, submitting to our local church, yeah. being held accountable for the actions that we make. Like, what's the what's the issue here, and and what can we do to get on the path so that we can raise up men and women who have longevity when their time comes? Yeah. I'll tell you right out the gate, pride is number one, and it's the biggest one. Uh-huh. Uh, I think just there's way too much pride in the heart. Um, I got it. I know it all. I don't need anybody. If I do, it'll be on my terms, not yours. And I'm gonna let you know when you can get past the hand. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's like this pride mentality that really has us thinking that we are way better than we think we are. When in reality, we're not at all even close to where we think we are, you know? Yeah. Um, pride is number one. I think that keeps people really away from just like, like just digging their roots deep and getting connected and staying connected and allowing the Lord to use the local church to like really develop and equip them. I think pride is the number one thing. I've seen that time and time again. The second is just lack of self-awareness. Like, uh-huh. like you just, there's just, there is no self-awareness. Like they're like, I'm like, <laughs> Like people are living in a very different bubble of themselves. Like it just yeah. bit, like there's a different version of yourself that you think exists that really yeah. just doesn't, you know, like yeah. that hasn't been developed yet. That yeah. that guy or that girl that you think you are, we don't see her. We don't see him yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, but we can help bring them to, to, to yeah. life if yeah. you can submit to this process right. of allowing yeah. God to use a local church to equip you, to disciple you, to train you and all that stuff. But I think there's lack of self-awareness. Like mm. people are not fully aware of their need and they're not fully aware of the necessity that being able to plug into the local church, plug into a a space where God can use people around you to really just develop you and do a deeper work in you. They're just not aware. There's that lack of it. It's just, it's not there. That awareness for that need is not there. And I think the third one is um, if it's not self-aware, lack of self-awareness, it's like this inaccurate perception of yourself that you have. Like, like I am discipled. I am good. I, I do understand the, the, the need for the local church. And I, and I do show up when, when I need to, and, and I do what I, but again, it's very like on my terms, not yours type of right, thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And it's like, no, actually you are not in a good space. Like, yeah. no, you're actually, you, there's a lot of growth that's needed in you, but yeah. people just don't realize that about themselves. And right. I think right. pride, lack of self-awareness, the incorrect like perceptions that you have about yours, all those things I think play a role as to why people are not willing to just like stay committed and allow themselves to be developed and, and equipped through the local church. And sometimes even the, the like, you know, um, oh, like 
whenever I get there, I'm sure I can get on a video or in a book or, you know, like I'm sure whatever, you know, my pastor is trying to teach me, I can, I can probably like access that and more through like this workshop or through this video or through that podcast. And it's like, no, there is a specific ministry given to the church for the purpose of equipping the church to do good works. You okay. can't bypass and you can't shortcut that process. You not you are not going to outsmart the Bible and God's <laughs> word. Like you're just not. But I think pride allows us to allows us to think that we can bypass that process. That yes. I don't have to submit to leadership. I don't have to submit to church. I don't have to go and do all these things to get to the place where God calls me. I can still do that in my own way. But you're not going to get to the fulfillment of God's call in your life through disobedience and rebellion. That's not going to yeah, work. That's so and good. so if, if humility can't be at the heart, if availability can't be at the heart, if if commitment mm. and submission can't be at the heart of your at the core of your heart posture, then anything else other than that is rebellion and disobedience. You're not going to get to what God has for you yeah. by being prideful or disobedient or unavailable for the ways in which God has clearly paved out the way for you know, how what you need to do to get there. You yeah, know, yeah. and I just feel like pride and lack of self-awareness and all these things and arrogance. I think a lot of these things hinder people from doing that. Yeah. That no, that's okay. And again, just to remind people, this is in the context of longevity. Like right. we're not against you when we say be submitted. It's actually a setup for your success. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I mean, we do this with the will of God, the word of God all the time, but we think that God is actually trying to stunt yeah. whatever it is that he's called us to but you can't obtain his promise doing it your way. Um, yeah. Everything that God is calling us to is to help us, is to prepare us, is to ground us so that we can be all that he's created us to be. And submission is just one of those things. Correct. Um, we, can, we can spend so much time here. But I also want to talk about the person that is, you know, maybe I'll just reflect from my own life. You know, I talked in the beginning of this podcast episode about how you've been a faithful friend and a confidant, things of that nature. Um, what do you say to those who are struggling with longevity that have the foundation that have Ooh. done the work, but life, man, like no one could have ever imagined COVID-19 yeah. or the political unrest or the civil unrest or the racial mm. tensions that were rising in our nation. And that still prevail a lot of, you know, what we see in, in our culture or what have you. Um, and they're just doing the best. I mean, they, They've been called, they've been affirmed, they've been doing well, but it's just like, man, or tragedy, things happen mm. at home, things happen yeah. with family, things happen with friends, things happen with right. health, like, there's things that happen that knock us off our feet, and, mm -hmm. and for the person that has done the work, for the person that has been submitted and, and has, has been trained and, and has been, you know, has the foundation that they need, what would you say to someone right now, maybe somebody's tuning in right now, who's in mm -hmm. ministry, who's like, fam, I hear you, yes and amen, but I just don't know if I can go another day. I don't know if I can handle yeah. another, right? Like how, how do you fight for longevity um, when life hits, you know, yeah. when yeah, life gets hard really, and difficult? Yeah. That's a really good question. And, um, and that, and I relate to that. I think we've had a lot of on, you know, off-screen conversations about some of the hardships that we've both have faced in ministry. And, and that's real. Like it, sometimes it gets really hard and, and quitting is not just an easy way out, but it just seems to make sense. Like, okay. It just, it, it would really just, it would really just ease my pain if I just threw in the towel and walked away, you know, and I get that feeling. I mean, I, I can't say that in the years that I've been in ministry, I've never been tempted with that. I remember when COVID happened, I was like, y'all, I'm about to submit my resignation letters. Like, this is it. <laughs> it's been a real three years. Bye. Like, you know, <laughs> and like, 
I can't say I've never struggled with that myself either. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be true. It is. There's right. a lot of things that happen in ministry, not just publicly, like say COVID or political unrest or all the stuff that our world is going through. That's public stuff. But there's also a lot of stuff that's happening privately behind closed doors. Like you said, there's health issues that maybe you're struggling with that people don't know about. There's right. marital problems. Maybe your marriage is really just like struggling because of the, because of the demands and the sacrifices ministry has required of you. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe finances are just just in a stressful place and you really don't know when the next mortgage payment is going to come from to support your family. Like there's a lot of battles people in ministry face behind closed doors that are, that are even bigger and heavier than the ones you face publicly, you know? And so I fully, I just want to take a moment to validate and say, Hey, if you're feeling that number one, like I validate that I understand it. It's real. And it doesn't mean that your faith is weak. It doesn't mean that you doubt God. It doesn't mean that you're being disobedient or rebellion. It just means you're human and you're trying your best to stay faithful, but sometimes life makes it really hard to stay faithful. And I think when that does happen, one part of it is, okay, I acknowledge that this is a hard season. I acknowledge that I am battling with the decision to quit and, and I would be justified considering what I'm dealing with. Right. right. But, but we also have to remember, and I'm just going to speak from what has helped me personally, because I realize for all of us, there's different things that have helped us get through those kind of darker seasons. Right. right. Um, I think number one is realizing and remembering that God called me to this place and into this responsibility, but he never promised it would be easy. Right. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he never promised that me being obedient and walking with him was going to be easy. In fact, he actually flat out told me it would be very difficult and that there would be many troubles ahead and that there would be challenges because of the commitment I've made to follow him and give my life to him. So the first thing I always go back to is say, okay, but God never promised it would be easy. So what I have committed to in giving my life to serve him means that has been done with the understanding that there will be dark valleys and there will be dark seasons. And there will be seasons when the enemy tries to find a weak moment, a weak time, a weak situation to convince me that it's just be better off for me to quit. But in those moments, I got to realize that I haven't been called to quit. I've been called to fulfill something, right? Like I haven't been called to give up. I've been called to run this race faithfully. And so with that calling, then I have to remind myself that there's also grace that's sufficient to get me from one day to the next. And sometimes it, for me in the dark seasons, it's been about that. It's been not just looking at the season, like, oh my God, this is a disaster. Like I quit, like, you know, but for me, sometimes the battle has just been, how do I make it from today to tomorrow? Like God, just give me the grace to go to bed today and to wake up and make it tomorrow. Like if I can get through today, dark times, today's difficulties, today's challenges. And if you could just give me grace for today and make it tomorrow, that will be sufficient. And sometimes that's what it takes. It takes recognizing that it isn't a hard time. It is tempting to quit, but, but there's sufficient grace for each day to help you get from one day to the next and to the next and to the next. And sometimes it's all you got to do. Just get one day from one day to the next, depending on the grace that he has made available for the call on your life. And I think we got to remember that, like, you know, I think it's so easy for us to fall into the temptation and to believe that we have made it this far in ministry by our own strength and power. We have not like your best days were possible because of God and your worst days, you're going to get through them because of God. You know, it's like important to remember, like you are not in ministry and you haven't made it this far because of what you've done. You've made it this far because the Holy Spirit has empowered you and enabled you to make it from one day to the next. And so the same principle is going to last you in through those dark seasons. Right. Um, and, and also just constantly, the second thing I would say to that is 
constantly looking ahead. Um, like I can stay stuck in how hard something is right now. Uh, and I can stay parked in this space mentally and spiritually and emotionally where, man, this is heavy, you know, man, this person really pissed me off. Like, man, this, this was, why could they do this to me? I'm like, I'm, this was my life. Like I could stay parked in those moments and really what they are is their moments, right? I could stay parked in those moments and let those moments define my call and the longevity in my call. Or I could press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and keep moving forward. So good. And, and I love wow. what Paul says in Philippians 13, 14. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do for getting what lies behind That's and good. straining forward to what yeah. lies ahead, right? I yeah. press on toward the goal. So it's like, it. you know, it. like sometimes I think we get stuck on what has happened and what is happening mm-hmm. when really we're called to press on towards the goal to move forward to what lies ahead in ministry and sometimes to get forward to what lies ahead i have to get through some dark valleys you know sometimes to keep pressing on towards the goal for that prize i have to get through some really low parts and i have to get through some very i have to walk through some uncomfortable valleys but that's not my destination i'm passing through those moments and my my job and my call is to press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I think remembering that and taking it day at a time is really what helps you stay the course, even when it's easy to quit. Yeah. You know? Oh, you, you preaching. That's what we do. I didn't know we were going to church today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to church. Yeah, no, I love that. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs, though I walk through the valley, the valley a shadow of death. Yeah. What I love about that passage is it doesn't say though I walk to, yeah, it's through meaning the, the valley valley shadow of death is not the destination. It's just part yeah. of the journey, you know. We're just yeah, and and speaking of Paul, it's, I mean this Paul was different in Acts. He would also, literally go to a city, yeah. get stoned, get be stoned, left for yeah. dead, all that, you know, and then you'd get up and go still go back city. and forward. And here I am trying to quit because somebody looked at me the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, no. here I'm trying to quit because of a pandemic, like oh, a virus broke out and I'm quitting, <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously joking. I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not belittling or uh, uh, discounting, obviously everybody's, you know, yes. uh, capacity to carry certain things. I understand yes. that the pandemic is pretty heavy for us today, you know, yes. but like yes. yeah. he went through that and he still kept saying one thing I do. I was like, just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stay in what has happened, but I'm just going to keep moving forward, you know? Yes. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite passages is in Second Timothy, I believe it's chapter two. And, um, you know, this is Paul's last letter he writes ever. Mm-hmm. And he writes it to Timothy, his mm-hmm. spiritual son. Mm-hmm. And Timothy is in a season where he's freaking out. He's thinking about quitting. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about throwing the towel. He grew the church. It became a mega church. And he's like, I can't handle all the scrutiny. Everybody's coming at his theology. Everybody's saying he's a false teacher. And he's like, I'm, and he's in his thirties. He's our age trying to figure it out. And, and Paul decides to write his last letter to him. And one of the things, and, 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 and this is one of Paul's last letters because he's on death row preaching the gospel. He's in Rome and he's about Mm -hmm. to get crucified, Mm -hmm. killed for preaching the gospel. And in that moment, Paul doesn't paint a pretty picture for Timothy. Yeah. He doesn't say, keep going, it'll get better. Yeah. But rather what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 is he says, join in with me yeah. in this suffering. suffering. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> it's yeah. so crazy to think yeah. that like Paul, 
says, this is, this is what we signed up for That's uh, right. to, to lead us to die. That's yeah. it. Leadership yeah. is death to self. And um, I think that that's also something that has helped me navigate these last couple of years or doubts or difficult times. And so on. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't think we do a good job at equipping leaders or upcoming leaders for that. Yeah. You know, like we don't, we don't tell them sign up to join yeah. in on the suffering with me. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, it's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. fulfilling. It's going to be amazing. You're going to wake up every day and you're going to be winning souls for Jesus. And it's going to be good. It's like, do you know at what cost that comes though? You know, like there's a cost to following him, you know, it's like salvation is free, but there's a cost to following him. You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, there's yes, a price yes. you pay for saying yes and for laying your life down to serve him. And I don't think Absolutely. we do a good job at really preparing people and allowing them to understand what it really entails and what it means to serve him, you know? Yeah. So no, that's yeah. good. Listen, we can spend so much time unpacking this and talking about this, but I did have one last question for sure. you. Um, what would be your advice for someone who's about to throw in the towel? Um, mm. And this is for someone who's gone through the process. Cause I know we spent a good half also talking about yeah. someone that needs to go. So some of us, we just need to go through the process and submit yeah. ourselves and be committed to the local church and understand what we're signing up for and, and get discipled and get trained, have our calling be affirmed and have time to grow and, and mm. so on and so forth. But for, 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 for those that are struggling right now, what would be, your advice for those that are thinking about throwing the towel? Um, what, what would be your plea for longevity? Mm. Um, I think there's so many things I could say. I think I would want to start off with saying, stay the course, it will get better. Mm. And by better, I don't mean that maybe the problems will go away or that you're going to get the result that you want. But I, but by better, I mean that as you continue to stay the course and trust him, there is a way in which the nearness of God is experienced in deeper ways in your life. There is a way in which the comfort of the Holy Spirit is tangibly felt in ways that it hasn't been felt before in your life. And for me, um, and again, I'm just going to speak from experience, um, staying the course sometimes for me didn't mean that the situation changed. It didn't mean that the, the pain went away, the disappointment went away, the, oh God, why would this happen again? It doesn't mean it went away. It just meant that in the midst of that, I was able to have a greater level of sensitivity for the nearness of God in the midst of that situation. And so stay the course, it gets better, not situationally, but spiritually and internally, it gets better in the sense that he is faithful to never leave or forsake those who are committed and those who are willing to lay their life down for him. And environmentally surroundings may not change, but there is a significant awareness of the nearness of God that you sense in the midst of that hardship, in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of what seems very strenuous and uncomfortable and challenging, the nearness of God and the sensitivity to sense that I, I believe really grows in that space. And also I can tell you this, man, I mean, there's been seasons in my life where I've experienced some hard stuff and it's like, oh, Holy Spirit's comfort is, you know, he's a comforter and, and it's great. We believe in it. We preach it. We know I'm, I have no doubts in that. But I can tell you this, that it's in some of those really hard seasons in ministry where I've actually been like, wow, the Holy Spirit really is a comforter. Like, yeah. oh, he's really a comforter. Like he really does comfort in the midst of some deep pain, of some deep um, disappointment, of, of heaviness, of anxiety, of stress, of weight. He really does bring comfort. And I've had many moments I'm like, huh, like 
this doesn't even, I, this is not what I thought you were, but wow, like it surpassed my expectations because you stay the course, right? Um, and yeah. so my advice and my encouragement to those who do feel tempted to throw in the towel, I get it. I feel you. I understand it. Believe me. Um, but I promise you that if you stay the course, you will begin to experience a fresh revelation yeah. of the nearness of God in your life in ways where seasons of of bountiness and seasons of joy would not enable you to experience it. Wow. And I think that alone makes it worth it to stay the course. Yeah. So yeah. that's profound. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's so deep because you know, like everybody wants to preach that Jesus is a comforter, but nobody wants to experience him as a comforter. Come on. Because for him to be a comforter entails that you need some comforting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? And can I tell you a little secret too? Like, yeah. I think in leadership, we have to learn to embrace pain as part of the process. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like when we step up and we say, yes, God, I say, yes, use me. We just have to be willing enough to say, to understand that pain is going to be part of the process. I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to allow it to refine me, but not define me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to stick through the course and I'm going to allow God to use the greatest pain in my life and the seasons of pain to actually refine and build something in me that seasons of comfort wouldn't be able to bring out of me. Yeah. And so I think just also learning to embrace pain as part of the process in, in, in ministry is a vital part of longevity. Good. So, I love yeah. that. And I, I just want to affirm you, uh, you, you spoke to this earlier, but you also need community. You need people around you to help stay in this thing. And I remember very vividly, the year was 2020. <laughs> we're in Minneapolis and we were eating Italian food and you sat me down and you just spoke to my calling. You did this actually a few times. This, I just remember that, you know, because, you know, with everything that happened with George, I mean, this was in our backyard and you know, we felt it different here than everybody else did. But man, you just affirmed me. You pointed me to my gifts and how God has called me. You reminded me of how God has used me and what he's doing. You reminded me of all the beautiful things that were happening in the church. And you're just like, listen, I feel you. I'm with you. I've been through things but we've got work to do. Yeah. <laughs> we've Come got work, work to, to do. do. Absolutely. <laughs> and your encouragement in that way is one of the reasons why I'm still here. And so, yeah, thank you for not just um, preaching this, but living this out. And I'm a benefactor of that. And so I appreciate you. You're welcome, man. Love you. Yeah. I love you too, man. This was incredible. Let us know what you thought. We might have to do a part two. I think we just scratched the surface a little bit. You Let's know. do it. Let's do it. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll I come back with notes on a presentation next time. <laughs> We got quotes and we got analogies. Quotes and all that stuff. Yeah, we'll have some video, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it's yeah. good. I, I hope you guys have benefited for this, from this. I know I have a great deal, and uh, if nobody else got something from it, just know I did, Christina. <laughs> so, <but laughs> Thank I you. I'll be the it. only it's one. Great. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, this is a real treat and honor. Love this conversation. This is the stuff we'd be talking about anyways, like behind yeah. closed doors. When exactly. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and that's why I love our friendship and really honor you as a brother. So, yeah. yeah. Appreciate that. Love you, fam. Awesome. Love um, you too, man. Till next time, family. Peace and grace. This is in real life. I got a real life. Price is better than it ain't no doubt. I ain't got time to debate. This country to save. Afghanistan, Cuba, I pray.